Hey everyone, this is Pete Barusik, and I want to welcome you to this edition of the Weathered Athlete Podcast, a place for us to honor those athletes that refuse to go quietly into the night. As a weathering triathlete and a physical therapist, I will spend my time talking with those athletes that continue to make the necessary repairs and continue to move forward. They may have a few cracks in their foundation or a squeaky step, and their patinas may continue to fade, but they are no less glorious than years prior. In fact, I feel they have more heart and resolve as they have weathered and can provide the pathway to set the standard that we should all live by. My goal is to determine what sets these individuals apart from the rest of society. After the discussion is over, I encourage you to stick around and hear a breakdown from a physical therapist's perspective of how this weathering athlete is able to keep moving forward. Don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a comment, and share with your friends. Today I am honored to have Coach Skip Slade with me as I complete mile number four. He is a 13-time Ironman and Level 1 triathlon coach who has been part of Team Challenge's Iron Team since 2011. As you will find out, he is intertwined with the success of the athletes he coaches and the mission they work to spread. I appreciate his willingness to be open on how he has worked to navigate life both as a coach and as an athlete with ulcerative colitis. You will hear how he uses that experience to assist his fellow Iron Team members, those athletes he coaches, as well as to provide motivation to prove to others what is possible. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Pete. Hey, Skip. How you doing? Good. Hey, I, I can't thank you enough for getting together with me. I appreciate it. Uh, no problem. It's an intriguing um, uh, idea, and I think, it's, um, I think it's really good. Yeah, I'm curious. You know, I'm going to take it as far as I can take it and talk to as many people that were willing to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when I first decided to do this, I actually reached out to Kat to see who would be willing to talk to me. And without hesitation, she said you. <laughs> so since we really haven't had much time to talk, if you don't mind telling me about your journey to this point. Well, I'm uh, married and uh, have adult ch- two adult children. I've um, grown up in Southern California. I lived here pretty much my whole life, except when I went to University of Arizona um, for a couple of years and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm 63 years old. So I guess I make the 50 and over buck, uh, <laughs> cut off. So that's good. And, um, I've, uh, been involved with triathlon for, hmm, what is it? Uh, 12, 13, 14 years, I guess. And, um, okay. and my passion has been, um, both participating in racing Ironman, mostly Ironman distance races, but also um, coaching and working with athletes who are just getting into the sport or, um, you know, from that all the way up to people who are trying to qualify for Kona. So, so Skip, what are your coaching credentials? Well, I've uh, been coaching triathlon since 2000. 10 maybe 11 2011 was when i um i got certified at the end of 2010 so um i've i'm i have a level one license from usa triathlon i've also um got some credentials with us um with the master swimming although that's um not as important to me as the triathlon certification Back in the 80s, for about five years, I was a full-time competitive swim coach. So I, I coached kids 
from beginner swimmers to national sort of age group record holders back in the day. Okay. But, um, and I also was involved with coaching high school. So I had that background. Then I left that. I coached my kids on the soccer field and baseball field and whatnot. And then um, got into this, the triathlon. And so it's been, uh, I've, that's where my credentials are. I've coached hundreds of people across the finish line, many iron finishes, um, half iron, all the way down to the sprint and Olympic, which um, are just as rewarding and mm-hmm. valuable as, from my perspective as a coach. Um, I just love to help people succeed and see that success play out at graduation, so to speak, (laughs) which is what a race usually is about. And my wife as well is Linda is certified. And so, I mean, we've, we've coached many people from being afraid to blow bubbles in the water with their face in the water to doing a sprint Olympic or even an iron distance race. So we're, we get rewards from coaching people and helping them succeed where maybe they didn't think they were able to. That's awesome. Now, how long have you been with uh, uh, Team Challenge? Team Challenge, uh, I was I started with them in 2011, which was the first year they broke out the um, triathlon program, and so that was a for strictly a sprint race and it happened to be in southern california in san diego and many chapters started out we're the basically the only surviving chapter uh in the triathlon program as far not not as far as iron distance goes in the national team but uh, as a local team that meets together we and um, San Francisco, the Bay Area, also has a team like that. But uh, okay. we started in 2011 and have been going at least one season ever since until, well, kind of this year with COVID. Yeah. So have you had any issues yourself as far as uh, that you've had to manage any injuries? Oh, um, injuries. Um Sure. <laughs> I've had plenty of injuries. Um, uh, well, I mean, um, it, was, it wasn't actually an injury, but back in 1986, when I was 29, that's when I had um, my colon removed as a result of ulcerative colitis. And so I have no, no um, colon. Um, that's not an injury, but of course yeah. it's... Uh, it's um, significant and so i i have an internally constructed pouch called a j pouch and so um in in some respects it's that's very important as far as um my involvement with triathlon because felt like i did not have the opportunity to do triathlon it just seemed crazy that i could do something without a colon um, with the concerns for hydration or and yeah. whatever else the concerns were. But as far as injuries go, I, I, when I really got into this, um, I had about a five-year stint of um, having plantar effingitis. Yeah. And 
it was mostly on as compared to not having it i i pretty much had it the the entire time i would um and so i would do water running and elliptical and adapt my training that way because there would be an iron man on the calendar and i i had spent the registration money and yeah. i did not want to lose out on that plus it was my beginning to be my passion was the iron distance and so i um, did workarounds and did the best I could and it would basically be ready to go within say a month or two of the race and so that's when I would ease myself into training I mean real running instead of water running or elliptical or yeah. something like that and so I uh, it, that was that was a major issue but you know, I I did nearly every imaginable treatment with PTs and sports doctors and um, chi the chiropractor and podiatrists and acupuncturists. Okay. Pretty much everything. <laughs> and did, does it still bother you now, or are you? No, I think okay. it's been resolved. Um, I won't say permanently, but <laughs> you probably understand that. But yeah. um, I've, uh, I'd say it's, I haven't felt it or had issues with it for five years now. So it's okay. uh, pretty good. And, and I rely a lot on my um, super cushy Hoka's uh, running mm -hmm. shoes in order to help uh, alleviate that. Those those were kind of a lifesaver, actually. As far as having your colon removed, how has it affected you while you're doing these events? Um, it's, um, well, except for the um, flare-ups and issues that are very similar to ulcerative colitis, yeah. um, they haven't had a major effect. Lately, it's been more difficult because of um, issues that actually don't allow me to to get out the door and train certain times or I have to delay when I ha can do it because of bathroom issues or yeah. or I can't train at all because of uh, there are other symptoms like fatigue and the inflammation that comes with it can it can knock you down but um, for the most part, you know, I've, I feel like I've been fortunate and that it hasn't sidelined me terribly too much. Okay. So are you working, I guess you're pretty flexible with your training programs then. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I I've, am fortunate in that even before this point in time, I worked from home um, over the last few years wasn't that way um, five years ago, but um, in the last couple, three years, I've worked mostly from home and done coaching remotely as well as um, in-person coaching with the with Team Challenge, tri the triathlon team, and my own team under the Slate Endurance banner, but we're, we're really connected with, with the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation cause, so, mm -hmm. and it's a lot of the same people, so it kind of blurs together. Um, th with my training, I can I can run. I don't have to run at say f 
five or six o'clock in the morning in order to make work at eight o'clock or something like that. I, I'm not a commuting so or meeting up with other people at, at an office or something like that. Yeah, I'm pretty flexible with that. And I will back off or scrap a workout if I have to. That's not not real comfortable to accept a lot of times, but that's mm -hmm. sometimes you just you, you need to listen yeah. <laughs> to what's going on and do the right thing. Yeah. How many Ironmans have you done? Um, 13. So I'm, which put me on the uh, legacy into the queue, so to speak, um, for the legacy slot for Kona. I've been trying to qualify since almost since the beginning. Um, I've come close, you know, within two or three places, one place, one year. Um, but there's always some really really fast guy in the age group doesn't i you keep thinking you know i'm going to age up and oh it'll be better and it has gotten a little better but there's still those that that fast guy that that uh, still sneaks in there and for nearly every race these days it's um for my age group it's one slot unless it's a regional championship and then maybe it's two slots i'm in the 60 to 64 age group so i've yeah. done 13 of the those races um in texas chattanooga a lot quite a few in arizona because it's convenient to where i live it's a drive instead of flying and um but um i i've enjoyed all of those, all of the experiences, even the, the ones where you're traveling. I especially enjoy Chattanooga, which mm -hmm. is um, an awesome location and venue. And so I've done that one twice. Yeah, last year was my actually first full, and Chattanooga was oh. the first full. Yeah, so I had to deal with the heat last year. So yeah. it was it was just great to finish uh, to get across the finish line. Yeah. But um, it was awesome to do it for Team Challenge. Yeah. It was such a great event and outstanding. I was there in 2018 where they actually had torrential downpours the week before, and so they canceled the swim, which is my forte actually. <laughs> so I I don't recall i i still wouldn't have qualified for kona there but i probably would have been i, I would have been within two slots of wow it. so oh well that's the way yeah. it goes yeah so hopefully now you you get in the queue and hopefully yeah. that'll that'll work out for you right the queue has um sort of been in flux with all these uh race cancellations and yeah. um so i'm not sure when it'll even happen <laughs> yeah i know with it being canceled for next year and i think it's probably the wisest thing to do yeah. is just kind of let's buy our time i have a feeling nothing's really going to go on this year i was i was um hoping that um i would that things would go better but i hadn't intended to i wasn't in the on the list to race this year and um, it's a good thing because mm -hmm. I've had other issues, and so I, I don't know if I would have raced 
even yeah. if I could travel with with COVID um, going on, I might not consider it anyway. So. Yeah. So with COVID yeah. going on, as far as training, how much in-person training are you actually doing now and what mm. precautions are you taking? Mm. Um, well, as a coach and at slash athlete both, mm -hmm. I, uh, we are in San Diego here in Southern California. I mean, it's a constantly changing thing, but, uh, so I'm not doing weight training, not doing anything with the athletes with the weight training in person. I will, we also have backed away from even riding or running as a group. We're not really supposed to meet up as a group anyway, but um, we've sort of gotten around that by uh, having a flexible starting time for group sessions. But at this point, we've sort of discontinued that. The only thing we are continuing to do that I'm doing with athletes is open water swims. We okay. um, our, our pools, outdoor pools are open. You make a reservation, you get one lane, you have 45 minutes. So that's not in conducive at all to a team workout, which um, my, my athletes really enjoy. It's uh, quite the bonding experience, and it's yeah. just nice to be in the pool together and also go to eat like fish tacos after on a Tuesday night um, <laughs> together, but that's kind of out too um, yeah. currently. But um, so we swim at uh, a bay, so it's open water and it's uh, ocean water. So we're okay. at the mercy of whatever temperature it is. <laughs> um, in Southern California, that tends to be in the 60s to very low 70s Fahrenheit. Um, currently it's in the mid sixties, I would say. And we swim, swim in the same place, but the workouts are unstructured so that people can arrive when they want and leave when they want. And it's easy enough to, especially during the week to dodge other people and, yeah. and keep distance and be, feel relatively safe compared to other activities like running on um, along the bay at the beach or on the boardwalk um, where many people aren't wearing masks and yeah. look most of my population of athletes not all of them but most of them are over 50 or okay. in their 60s even and um, have health concerns besides many of some of them with um colitis or Crohn's issues or related kinds of issues. And so the risk to this population is up there a little bit. And mm -hmm. so we want to be extra cautious. So in-person training, except for swimming, is pretty much out. I leave it up to them if they want to do a brick run after or ride after. But I'm not really involved with that. I, instead, we've when California had the shelter at home sort of order back in March, we, um, I pretty quickly jumped into um, switching things to virtual. And so we've held virtual, I've held 
been holding virtual workouts five days a week since at least since the start of April. And uh, that includes two trainer rides or actually probably three trainer rides and two strength workouts that are core and dry land swim yeah. uh, workouts that um, people can join and participate in and see each other a little bit. And then we occasionally have a Saturday late morning Zoom brunch where we can just sit and chat like we usually do on a Saturday morning after a workout and at least get in touch with our community because community is such an important component of, of um, at least for the people that I coach and um, here in San Diego and they, um, they miss that uh, as do I. And so it, having a Zoom, it's not like, it's not being there in person, but it sure um, helps. Yeah, I agree. I think that socialization is one of the probably the biggest things we miss. You know, we all, you know, the training sometimes is the training and you yeah. kind of just say, OK, I got to get it done. But having somebody else with you to do it uh, just makes it so much more enjoyable. And I think that's the biggest thing. I know my our local tri team here is we've struggled again just because in the beginning we no one was able to do anything. And so we've Things are a little bit better here in North Carolina, so there's some group rides that we're doing, but we're trying to, again, be uh-huh. cautious and keep our distance and not be not be crazy with the numbers with it. Mm. But, you know, the goal is to, you know, try to at least start doing some things, but at least being socially responsible. Yeah, that, that yeah. sounds reasonable and good. We um, here, I mean, we've had a spike recently, and and so... Things were dialed back some, and uh, we've just, individuals have gotten together for rides, and up Mm -hmm. until, I don't know, about six weeks, eight weeks ago, I was still hosting an in-person ride that allowed people to sort of get together. They they weren't riding as a group in a peloton so to speak but they Mm -hmm. they were out on the same course doing about the same thing but um it's just doesn't seem feasible right at this point and like i said some people in the group are at higher risk or they have Mm -hmm. family members at home at higher risk and so they're gonna they're doing everything virtually or remotely i guess and they so i feel in some ways torn between doing a live thing live ride meetup let's say versus um still offering the virtual option because there are some people that just aren't going to go out yeah, we were lucky in our group. We joined up with a couple of local bike clubs and did mm. a virtual race series where basically oh. every Tuesday we did a – it was all on Zwift. Mm. Uh, so it was good just to get people motivated again. Then we would all talk to each other. we get on Discord, which is a way you can talk. And, and that. so it was good. And I think it was whatever we could do to keep ourselves motivated and be in a group and still mm-hmm. feel like we were together but yeah. not out on the road. <laughs>
Yeah, well, that's a that's a great workaround. It sounds like. I mean, yeah. my, I work. The people I work with have are the full range of athletes from uh, beginners to um, people that could probably place at an Ironman race. But um, for the most part, my local people um, are they're in it for the community and for um, health reasons and for f being fit and they nobody has Zwift really <laughs> um, we I collected about two years ago over the last two years I've collected trainers and I've we would meet at a friend's warehouse who sells um, coffee for endurance people actually but um he uh, opened his warehouse and we would do a group trainer ride on monday evenings there and so since that since this all happened i've loaned out the trainers and because not not all my people even have a trainer let alone yeah. have uh power meters or or zwift um or even interested in Zwift, they just want to do a training ride and and be fit and get some exercise and keep from going crazy. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so, do you set up when you set up the training programs? How different do you set them up for somebody who say who doesn't have Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, or somebody who does? Are you changing mm -hmm. what you're doing, or are you just is it? Yeah, what's the difference? I think that. Um, a lot of the considerations are the same, whoever you're coaching with, because coaching, because you want to find out what their personal goals are, what, what they're interested in, what they care about, what their strengths and weaknesses are, what their athletic history is, and maybe what their athletic age is, um, or triathlon age is, how, what, you know what what are their experiences how what do they even think about exercising um mm -hmm. and then checking with many people that are 50 and older and there's more than just uh ulcerative colitis or crohn's issues there ibd issues there but um so you know whether it's heart or blood pressure or or diabetes or something like that i mean all that stuff needs to be thought about and at at this point most of the people I'm working with really know what they're doing know their body a little bit and can know to make adjustments or know when to back off you know if they don't then they're they should they're communicating with me or that's what I'm training them to do is to <laughs> communicate with me if they're in doubt to help so I can help them make decisions on what they should do that day or if it's okay to just skip the day because they feel this way or this is these are their symptoms and you know I've I've found that um, in some ways a lot of my coaching especially with the iron athletes is is that they just need to be reassured that it's okay not to do something mm -hmm. or it's okay to do less of something or 
to focus on something different and not worry about something. Let's say there's some intensity involved. Maybe they should be backing off. But you know, that, I guess that's a long answer in saying that um, there do need to be adjustments and people will end up with flare-ups and things like that. And so uh, somebody with IBD may have fairly frequent or um, recurring flare-ups and so we're doing restarts periodically mm -hmm. and because they can't just jump back in if they've been out for uh, week, a week or weeks or months they can't just jump back to where they left off they need to be um, gradually introduced back into training yeah. Now, as far as diet, are you on any special diet or nutrition? What do you do during races? I'm I'm on um, my own particular diet that I found work helps work for me. Everybody's different, so mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. I don't try to sell or advocate a particular diet for people. My my diet, well, recently it's not been great, but <laughs> <laughs> um, ideally I'm. I'm vegan, except I do eat fish and I do eat eggs. And this all arose from um, colitis issues and not being able to resolve those issues. And diet mm -hmm. has helped as well as alternative medicine has helped. But um, I also don't drink alcohol um, okay. as a side note. Um, yeah because that negatively impacts my GI system. But as far as fueling and whatnot, especially for a race, there's not a lot of difference. Um, I think that in some respects, I have a better knowledge than a lot of people about um, what works and what doesn't work um, just because of my long history with with um, this, this disease as a sidebar um, but uh, so really what I look at when I'm fueling for a race or even for training is um, I'm always encouraging my athletes and I do this myself is practice 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 mm -hmm. um, and figure out what works for you. I, I, I do fine with um, liquid calories and plus electrolytes and water, but um, other people need something more substantial. I, I really look for, because um, waste products are, waste is an issue, um, I don't want to a porta potty any more than I have to, so <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I look for things that are do not generate extra waste, and I avoid um, fiber as much as possible on race day because I just don't want to be bulking yeah. up on stuff. Um, and uh, so I try to keep it as simple as possible, but also mm -hmm. satisfying the caloric needs and electrolyte and hydration needs. 
Yeah, it's a, that's a thing. It's a challenge for really everybody. Right. Uh, but, you know, and that's the, it takes a while, that trial and error of what works and doesn't work. And, and then you go and change the elements, like from cold events or up to like Ironman uh, Chattanooga, where you're in the mid 90s and yeah. the heat index in the low hundreds. And, and basically, it everything's thrown out the window and you got to refigure it out as you're doing yes, it. Yes, definitely. Um, <laughs> I tend to train for the heat and... Even though I live in Southern California, which is, I, I know, I'm fortunate. It's <laughs> yeah, <so>. very mild. <laughs> um, but I do do my best to acclimate or acclimatize myself to hot racing. Um, I think I actually do pretty well in those conditions. Either I'm prepared or I have a mentality that's a little bit different from other people. But I usually favor hotter um races with not horrible conditions but (laughs) not great conditions because um i'm just willing to just keep going and if i take weeks leading into the race adapting and my body to accommodate that then i'm usually in pretty good shape for dealing with the heat now when it comes to cold yeah. <laughs> uh keep that that away from me as much as possible i try i do not like the cold and um and as i get older the the threshold is is getting warmer and warmer all the time <laughs> yeah you're also spoiled in san diego yes so. I, I agreed agreed so I mean, the the water is like we have usually have the more the first race of the tri- Ironman season here is Ironman Oceanside, which is end of March or early April. So the water temperature can be pretty cold, fifty-eight, sixty, mm-hmm. um, and and that's um, that's. I I can tolerate that. I didn't think I could, but with a wetsuit, um, it's actually not that bad because of the adrenaline and um, everything. You you get keyed up, and you can actually be fine with it. I used to think that, oh, I couldn't. I can't swim in that. That's just way too cold. That's ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) But but usually the bike is fairly warm. Um, yeah. it's reasonable. So, you know, we're not suffering out there in yeah. Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So do you do anything different as far as warm up now? Have you aged with cold or warm weather? Are you doing hmm. different stuff? Well, my goal always with, with a warm up, and I encourage it with my athletes and I'm just even more, um, more committed to it is, uh, I'm a big believer in, in getting the warm up in, even for every workout, let alone the races. And so um, I put in some time to raise my heart rate, get the blood flowing, um, heat up my body, um, warm up the muscles and all the soft tissue, connecting tissue, the joints and everything, get that, get everything moving. Um, and if it's cold, then I feel like I need to do more. It's mm. probably necessary to do more to raise that body temperature up. In the heat, 
then uh, probably the warm up is is a little shorter because your your body your body your core temperature is probably a little it's closer to the outdoor temperature mm-hmm. and so you're you're closer to being ready but still i think you need to get that movement in and be ready in that respect so getting the blood flowing and all of that just gets systems ready to go so that you don't end up with an injury yeah you do in any dynamic stretching or activities i or do just kind of running i do some um for instance though uh, for for a swim at a race and if you're not allowed to get in the water then i'm doing push-ups and and um i bring my uh resistance tubing with me with handles on it and find an anchor point and do i don't know 100 pulls with that okay. because more than anything my lats my latissimus dorsi the lats really burn if i yeah. don't warm up beforehand so i do those and then if i'm in line and the line's taking a while i'll be um, doing push-ups on the ground or um slanted push-ups against a wall or a fence or whatever um, is handy just so that I can get things going but for for a bike or a run let's say a workout then I'm gonna be I'm start off walking for for a run session I'll start walking for a few minutes and then easy running and take walk breaks before I really get moving and i'll do okay. i'll do some dynamic movement like butt kicks and high knees and uh big skipping and things like that but it, it takes me it takes me longer i would say to get into a groove for a run um yeah. the the first mile is miserable i yeah. i <laughs> frequently think I hate running. I don't want to do this. <laughs> but you know, but by mile two, it's typically you just settle into a groove and and it feels right again. But yeah. as I've gotten older, I think that it I I take longer to find that little groove. I yeah. do the same with with cycling. I'll um, I lead the trainer rides three times a week and. There's at least five to ten minutes of warm up before we gradually introduce climbing or, or um, inter- any sort of intervals, besides short little spin ups to as part of our warm up. Um, I'm just a big believer in a good yeah. warm up and a cool down in order to slow the body down, get the blood flowing back. Um, shrink back down those vessels blood vessels and help it be ready for the next session whether it's the later that day or the next morning or what have you yeah i think that's the biggest thing as a ptic is especially as we age uh when you're younger you just go out there and you're going 100 miles an hour right out of right out of the gate and then you you end and you're like okay i'm done and then you just go about your business now it's like the body needs a little bit of warm-up and it needs a cool down and i i think we've yeah and i think our we've done a little bit better on some of our group stuff instead of just not Mm. hitting it as hard as you can right out of the gate but it's Mm. so hard all it takes is that one person to just basically get that pace going you're like you're just hanging on just like let me just 
warm up here and let my heart rate come down. <laughs> right. I um, I purposely <laughs> do not let myself um, get into the group mentality and have to stay with somebody. I'm just going to let yeah. them go. Um, yep. and, and I guess that's... And as a coach, when it, when I'm leading a group as a coach, then they listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> but, but if I'm just riding with people or something like that, then uh, anybody that's going to take off, I'm I'm just going to let them go uh, yeah. at least until I'm warmed up because yeah, it's tough because I have a com- very competitive streak in me, but <laughs> I I would just let them go. Yeah, that's good. How about sleep? Does uh, having a good night or bad night sleep make a difference for you? That that makes a difference for me. I because of my, um, I I have can, more issues just because of IBD and having to get up in the middle of the night. Um, and as I'm getting older, there's I gotta go pee frequent uh, <laughs> multiple times in the night. It, it seems to follow my REM cycle, so that's probably it. I mean, I, I could if I could just stay in a deep sleep, it would be I'd probably be fine and go through the night. But yeah. I have interrupted sleep almost every night multiple times. Um, okay. But uh, sleep is important. I've I've found that I need um, in order to perform pretty well. I need seven and a half hours. I also have seemed to notice that my REM cycle cycles right at around 90 minutes. And so that's why the seven and a half hours is, yeah. is pretty good for me. Yeah. How, how do you do during uh, the night before a race? Are you pretty good uh, at sleeping? Uh, usually I'm pretty good. I would say I'm at a six hour so one less REM cycle, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, it also depends on how well organized I am, and uh, usually I've I, I'm a planner and a list maker <laughs> and list checker, and so that helps. And so um, I I typically can sleep pretty well the night before a race. That's good. Uh, how about recovery? What do you do for recovery? Uh, recovery. Well, the first thing I hit is food and make sure that I um, fuel with some recovery somehow or another. It could be real food if um, we're, if I'm with a group or a shake um, or a smoothie, I guess, with protein and carbs and usually some fat. Well, that's pre-race or I mean mm-hmm. pre-workout, but um, I, I emphasize getting the nutrition in just cause I like to, and also because it's beneficial if you're going to be working out you know, later that day, you know, that the recovery is important as far as you nourishing those, uh, those muscles and filling back up uh, your reserves and taking care of yourself and putting you in a position to be able to train well the next day. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's really why I do emphasize that. And, um, if I'm going to have a meal in, in in a half hour or an hour after the training session, then that's going to be, I feel it more than adequate. 
I, I'm hitting all the macronutrients and so it's um, going to be fine. But if I think that I've, I'm going to have um, a fair amount of time between the end of the session and actually eating something, then I'll hopefully, uh, uh, not hopefully, but I will do my best to plan ahead and have a recovery smoothie available. Okay. And then how about, let's say, after an Ironman event, what's your next day like? Oh. Uh, are you doing active recovery? Or are you taking it easy for a few days? Next, The next day has evolved as I've done this for, for the over the years. Um, the next day used to be barely walking, um, just um, in a great deal of pain. Um, and it's not that I'm not working as hard these days as I did raced hard these days as compared to the early days. It's just that I've got a lot of this under my belt and so the recovery is a little easier, but still, um, you know, when I get home, I measure recovery based on how I can climb up my stairs to get to bed. Um, yeah. it's, uh, if I'm struggling, I used to struggle a lot more just to even do that. I would have to turn around and crawl down the stairs. <laughs> it was just, um, tough. But, um, as far as the active recovery goes after a, especially after a long distance race, then that, that's typically an easy swim or okay. walking or something like that. I don't, no, I might do some rolling, gentle rolling, foam rolling, okay. um, but I just take it easy, but I don't want to just sit there either. Yeah. A lot of times, though, especially if after a race in Arizona, then the next day I'm driving home six or seven hours. Yeah. Fortunately, I have a Sherpa my wife who yeah. uh, does most of the driving um, and gets me home because I'm I can drive a little bit but I'd be worried about dozing off <laughs> yeah yeah do you do compression boots or ice baths or anything like that um, I used to do ice um, baths I would come back to the hotel after an Ironman race and get into I would be eating potato chips <laughs> salty potato <laughs> chips and sitting in a bathtub with ice and water in it um but i've gotten away from that for two reasons um some of the uh, some of the literature i've been reading lately has gone away from icing mm -hmm. um you know i know it's not universally accepted um but as and it's especially good for pain relief, so I'm not discounting it completely, but I, I feel like um, the logic of not using ice also, also seems to make sense to me. So I've, yeah. I've just pretty much gotten away from ice altogether. And um, plus, after an Ironman race, usually I'm, I'm scheduled... I've scheduled myself a couple, three weeks of recovery of mm -hmm. not, not training, just walking or 
casual yeah. swimming or whatever. I need that break. And yeah. so the ice might make it easier to get right back into training, but most of the time, not all the time, but most like in Chattanooga, I swam, I did um, two Ironmans within a couple of months of each other and it might've been better beneficial for that. But normally I don't have training afterward. And so the ice, it seems like it's not necessary for that in those instances either. Yeah, no, I think active recovery is a better route. I know after my first few marathons that I did, I I would do all the ice baths and everything, and I haven't done that in years yeah. now. And mm. I, I'd much rather go get in the water and swim, even yeah. if I just walk in the water just to get in there and do something nice and easy, uh, walk around the neighborhood, get on my bike, just light spin. Yeah. Just, you do yes. so much better doing that active recovery yeah. type of things. I think that's better. Oh, good. Um, Good. Yeah. yeah. Well, that confirms kind yeah. of what my thinking is these days. Yeah. So do you have any individuals or groups that help you get through the good times and bad times? Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't we all, if yeah. we're still in the sport? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my, um, first of all, my wife is incredibly tolerant, um, allows me to do um, things that uh, most wives would not put up with. <laughs> Um, I'm with you. <laughs> and um, um, we have conversations about things. Sometimes she, I even, she refers to herself as my coach because sometimes she's the only voice of sanity left when I'm in a, a peak phase of training where, uh, well, I've, some, some weeks at the very peak, I'll put in 22 hours in, in a week. Okay. And she um she will say this is the way you felt last year. This is the way you felt before. This is normal. It's okay. <laughs> and she'll remind me that you you regret that you're getting slower in the pool every year about this time and you think that it's never going to come back. Well, just like we tell all our athletes, she says yeah trust in the taper trust <laughs> yeah. the taper and really it it's true but she's yeah. very supportive she's um um back in the early back when i did the my first iron distance race in arizona we had read an article i had read an article um by some um pro former pro athletes who coached and they're they're always fun loving and joking and um they wrote um wrote up an article about a race plan for the spectators <laughs> and so that's what my wife did linda did for the for my first race because she'd seen my race plan and she yeah. goes oh gosh this is going to be a and then she realized how long she was going to be out there. She was not looking forward to it. And then I, we read this article, and she read the article and created her own race day plan, which included going to the movies when she would leave the swim course and go get breakfast um, in the afternoon during, before I got back for on the bike. They would be at this local bar that was part of the plan they'd get lunch there and maybe catch some f a football game yeah. and 
<laughs> so she had this whole plan and it made it very doable and very much less intimidating and um, so she studies the maps, the course maps, just like I do, but she figures yeah. it out for from a spectator point of view and where to send people and where to be and um, figures out back in the day there weren't tracking devices really, so she would figure out where she needed to be at a certain time so that she could yell at me for the 30 seconds <laughs> as I whizzed by and then go have lunch. Yeah, <laughs> and then be back in time for me to come back. So, so um, yeah. there's that. But she's been ex extraordinarily supportive. She knows how um, valuable this this has been to me, as um, from a mental perspective as well as personal challenge and perspective. And then my mom is very supportive as well. She comes yeah. to almost every single race and she does not want to follow the same race plan as my wife. She <laughs> wants to be out on the course almost <laughs> the entire time. Really? Cheering, and she gets a buzz out of all the excitement and hoopla and she's just, and she just thinks her son is so great. <laughs> Even though I'm 63 years old. She's, You're still um, a little kid. Yeah. I'm still a boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's able to make more jokes though now these days yeah. <laughs> about <Yeah>. me <laughs> but um um and then i have the, my two sons have been to most of my races which has been wonderful and i can't say enough about team challenge and my yeah. people there i mean i've met lots of people over the years with in triathlon but the the community that we have especially here in San Diego, but in some respects also nationally with the Team Challenge group is um, remarkable and supportive and, and understanding. And um, they'll come out and do a workout with you or, or just cheer you if you're doing a half marathon or a marathon. And that's part of the part of what you're doing that year, then they might come out and cheer for you or support you in some way. And so it's um, having a community, having a sort of a the TC family, we call mm -hmm. it, is um, just incredibly wonderful. And um, I'm really grateful for all of that. Yeah, I'm so glad I made the decision last uh, January to join Team Challenge mm. for the two events. It was, it was, it's been a great year, and it's been great to get to know Cat and to get to know the other uh, teammates from the events that I did. So it, it's, I can't say, I agree, I can't say enough about <clears throat> Team Challenge as a whole. Yeah, it's, um, and we, um, you know, w when we all race together, which is once or twice a year. We, um, I mean, we cheer each other on on the course. We and we bring the last people home with, with a you know a soccer tunnel or whatever you want to say, or cheer <laughs> yeah. people on along the course. Um, I've I've got a drum that I've started bringing that's um, quite loud, <laughs> but team challenge colors and and a team challenge sign on the on the skin so 
it's um it's it's just a lot of fun and just adds to people's experience and makes people feel supported because there's other people that are just willing to reach out and help you if you're struggling with something yeah. and uh they're just there for you. Kat has been um, tremendous. She she's first worked in San Diego as our team manager for the local team, and then broadened out to the Iron Team. And uh, but she's still in San Diego, and mm -hmm. so we get to interact quite a bit. And I value her our relationship. She is just incredible and doesn't really take credit for it either yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah, I, um where do you see yourself in 10 to 15 years hmm. Hmm. that's a tough one <laughs> <laughs> um wow that's unexpected um yeah i <laughs> on purpose <laughs> I, i'm not sure uh i would like to still be doing triathlon it's um mm -hmm. I mean, let's see, 10 years, I'd be in the 70 to 74. Yeah. Maybe there won't be anybody to compete with. <laughs> <laughs> I can actually get I to Kona on my own. <laughs> I, I, I doubt it, I know, Skip. I know. <laughs> it's crazy, but um, no, uh, uh, I do triathlon because um, I enjoy the challenge and I like the process and I get uh, I feel joy and gratitude when I do it and uh, well I focus on that but I ex I get that experience and um, I I just I don't want to use lose that component of it the people are important to me and uh, I, but I also do triathlon because I want to be able to do other things in life um, that are active. And mm -hmm. I feel like triathlon is sort of a fountain of youth in some respects because it's, it gets you moving. And, and so when you compare yourself with, let's say, um, classmates or something like that that mm -hmm. are the same age as you and they're they're hobbled and you know limping along and you're you're doing a, a race that's even a sprint triathlon is is yeah. challenging people that people your age just can't even do a 5k so yeah. it's um i want to be able to be physically active and to whether it's triathlon or not be able to hike or or mm -hmm. do the next fun adventure or get the next experience that involves physical movement. And, and if you let the age process um, really get a grip on you and you don't stay active, you're not going to have the same opportunity. So I think that yeah. even if I'm not doing triathlon, I will be either hiking or trail running or i don't know whatever yeah. the next next great thing is boogie boarding in the yeah. in the surf it, which uh i've put aside because of triathlon but i enjoy yeah. that very much
Yeah, that's good. Now, do you have any personal mantras or sayings that help motivate you? <laughs> um, well, I'd like to say that we work a lot with the mental game um, mm -hmm. when we're coaching, and we do lots of um, things connected with mantras and affirmations and that sort of thing. I think that um, really I work on, for me, I find what's valuable is um, affirmation questions. I'm, I'm talking about mostly um, uh, race day, but mm -hmm. let's see, if, if I'm suffering during the marathon at the end of a, a long triathlon, then I'm, I've got um, affirmation questions, which is the technique I use. Let me back up and say, first of all, I do have one mantra when I'm suffering at, at, towards the end, doing the last few miles. I say my wife's name and I say I love her, and it's sort mm -hmm. of a chant in my head that's going on. And so with every foot strike, it's I love Linda, which... Yeah. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> that, Aww. That, that's 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 where my focus is because I know she's mm -hmm. at the finish line waiting for me. I don't want to disappoint her, but mm -hmm. I um, also don't want to get into that negative space of thinking about disappointment, which I've yeah. done before. And she's kicked yeah. my butt out on the course because of that. She said, "Get yeah. your ass moving," <laughs> which I which was awesome. Yeah. But uh, anyway, that that other tool that my wife and I um, coach our athletes to use is the affirmation question, and it's not an affirmation statement. So it's not like um, you were strong, because your mind has the chance to say, "What are you kidding me? You're not strong. You're a wuss." Yeah. You, so instead of that. You use something like an affirmation question, which would be, and it goes something like this. What if you're strong? What if I'm stronger than I think? Or what if you're stronger than you think? And you don't allow your conscious mind to answer that question. You just mm -hmm. keep repeating the question. And then it allows your mind to work on it yeah. and to actually maybe be stronger than you thought you were. And so having affirmation questions, you know, there, there's a place for the statements. There's the statement for those mantras. Um, but these affirmation questions also help. So instead of, yeah. I feel great, even though you don't, you can <laughs> say something like, what if this is the way it's supposed to feel? And then maybe you're accepting of it and can push forward. Um, what if I'm a far better athlete than I think I am? Or, yeah. or if you're starting to feel bad, um, one of my favorite questions is, um, what if there's nothing wrong? And yeah. asking yourself these things can really get you through this. My wife works with cancer patients who are, are going through treatments and stuff, and she uses this as well for that arena but you know we also coach um other all those other kinds of techniques in the mental game distractions chunking visualizations 
you know, ways to calm yourself. Uh, We've done alter egos before, and that's been successful. But um, along with these these affirmation questions, it's um, that's that mental piece is so important. So that's a pretty long answer for what my mantra is, wasn't it? <laughs> I like it though. That's actually you know at the end you you need something, and you're right when you're those voices in your head can definitely derail you. So you need to keep them at bay the whole time, especially with these long endurance events. Yes. Um, so no, I like it. Yes. And then last, lastly, I want you to finish this, this sentence. My miles are four. Um, my miles are for self-challenge. Um, my miles are for uh, setting an example. And uh, finally, I, I know this is a bunch of words, but um, I, for me, it's um, especially because, because of who I work with and who I work for in fundraising and whatnot, it's also um, my miles are for showing what's possible. And yeah. I, because I've experienced ulcerative colitis and the surgery and... Uh, all of that, I, th- I think, and the fact that I'm now what 63, <laughs> you know, that people um, need to have examples of what is possible, and yeah. and I I serve that purpose sometimes, and sometimes that example they don't want the example or <laughs> they aren't going to emulate that, but at least it gives them. Um, thoughts about what is possible and maybe that's not what they're interested in what I'm doing but they believe that maybe other things are possible that they thought weren't yeah I love it that's perfect yeah hey Skip thank you so much for spending some time with me I really appreciate it you're welcome thank you very much for having me and um, hope to talk to you again soon I hope you enjoyed today's episode and were able to get some insight into how one weathering athlete uses his experience to approach each day of training and racing to stay as injury-free as possible. He has learned over the years to manage his condition, including knowing what modifications need to be made to allow his body time to heal as he prepares for an event. As a coach for Team Challenge Iron Team, he provides an invaluable service to those other athletes due to his experience as well as providing an example on what is possible despite having ulcerative colitis and colon surgery at 29. His use of affirmation questions provides another great tool for athletes to use when those inner voices of doubt start to get louder, and if they may not work for him, he is fortunate to have some great Sherpas to get him to any finish line, even if it takes his wife telling him to get his ass moving. Thank you for taking time on your busy schedule. Please don't forget to hit subscribe to this podcast. Leave me a comment or drop me a line if you feel you have what it takes to enter the Weathered Athlete Podcast. Lastly, no matter how you complete your miles, use the following hashtag, my miles are for, as a way to reinforce the purpose of those miles. My miles are for the journey. Pete Perusik.